Welcome to MedShark Insider with Bill Fukui, your expert host on all things medical marketing and SEO. Hello and welcome to another episode of MedShark Insider. Uh, today, I, my guest is Dr. Olivia Madan, and she is a plastic surgeon out in uh, um, Nashville, Tennessee, one of my favorite cities. Uh, and today I wanted to have her speak uh, to something that that I think is unique in the sense that the timing of this podcast, uh, she has a great experience in terms of what a young surgeon needs to be looking for as they, you know, move into their career. And she has recently um, become uh, an owner of of a practice. Uh, So I want to walk through that process of what are young surgeons needing to do today in order for them to, to, to maybe sidestep some landmines or maybe get some pearls of wisdom on really how can they go out and accomplish and do the things that, that you've been able to? Because I think a lot of practices aspire, you know, practitioners are aspiring to do what you just did, right? Thank you, Bill. I'm excited to be here. Um and happy to share whatever pearls and pitfalls I've come across. So um, thank you. Yeah. So why don't you you do us a favor and just give us a little bit of background because, you know, I know you pretty well, but just for our audience, give a sure. little background where you went, kind of how you, you know, where your practice is, et cetera. Yeah. Um, so I'm originally from Charleston, South Carolina. I did uh my integrated plastic surgery residency at Wake Forest, which is just one state above in North Carolina. Um, And it's a six-year residency. I did not uh, choose to do a fellowship. So kind of during my chief year, which is totally the best year, um, I was just searching for where do I want to go? What kind of practice do I want to have? And where do I you know, what kind of setting do I want to even be in? Mm -hmm. And it was tough because I didn't necessarily have any geographic ties to one location or another. So it was almost more difficult because there's this whole, you know, nation to choose from. And that doesn't really help in terms of narrowing down the options. Right. So I had been getting um, the American Board of Plastic Surgeons sends out like a weekly newsletter and they have like the classified section where at the bottom they'll have various job listings. And, um, you know, if you click one of those, it brings you to the whole job posting board. And I found a job posting on that website and It was a very brief description. And so I just emailed about it and essentially had a long conversation with uh, my former partner, Dr. Michael Henneke, and, um, you know, learned about what his practice was like and what he wanted in the future and kind of, um, you know, what his exit strategy was. Okay. So So ultimately, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, you know, when when you're mentioning exit strategies, you know, obviously, if you're looking to um, get into a position where you could buy out somebody's practice, and and Mm -hmm. that's basically what you did, you you bought his practice. Um, uh, 
what was what kind of time frame were, were you committing to or looking at in order for this transition to take place? So the whole contract negotiation part was it takes a long time. It mm-hmm. just does. You need to set aside months. Um, you know, so I think I had things pretty solidified about what I was doing, where I was going, I would say about March before I graduated. Um, and our graduation or our last day is June 30th of that right. year. Um, and I will tell you the contract was not signed until July 1st. And that was oh. like, it was, yeah, it was just like, it took every single day to get it all, you know, smoothed out and prepared. So it really uh-huh. does take a while. Okay. Uh, so that, that, that period. So let's just focus on that, that, yeah. that, you know, um, you know, what was involved with that? You you had to hire an attorney kind of yes. a little bit background of what you had to as not as the seller, but as, as eventually the buyer of the practice. Right. So, and I do believe that my situation was probably um, unique in the sense of how Dr. Henneke viewed his business and, um, you know, kind of what he put forth in terms of showing potential buyers. So I would say I probably found the job listing, I want to say in November um, of the year before. And then I flew down for a weekend and um, met with him, saw the practice. Um, I met all the staff at that time. And he had interviewed another plastic surgeon um, from a different area. And I think that had happened a couple of weeks before. Um, And so it was basically just between the two of us is my understanding. Um, And so he could kind of pick and choose who he wanted to carry on his vision. But he would honestly probably cringe at me even saying that, uh, carrying on his vision, because he never viewed his practice as his baby, which is where I think this whole relationship and Dr. Henneke's relationship with his practice is very different. Okay. Um, and I don't know whether it has to do with the name, like um, a fair number of surgeons will name their practice their mm-hmm. own name. name. And, right. you know, that tends to instill certain feelings about mm-hmm. uh, the practice for you, like it is your child or your baby. And um, we had a very generic name, uh, Plastic Surgery Affiliates, and mm-hmm. he did not view it as his baby. He was ready to let it go, did not, um, you know, essentially wanted to support me to make this my practice. And mm-hmm really build it into what I wanted. Oh, that's, you know, that, and I will say that that's probably pretty unique. Yes. I would say that that's probably pretty unique, especially. um, So how long from the time you signed on board and start, you know, walked in the door, uh, I'm uh, I'm, uh, an associate with, with Dr. Henneke. And how long was that period? So, um, 
From a technical standpoint, I was the sole owner of the practice on July 1st of that year. So once the paperwork was signed, I was the owner. And um, we did the transaction as a stock purchase agreement. Um, So the stocks would transfer to the company and I would pay back um, or the company would then pay Dr. Henneke, if that makes sense. Mm, yeah. Um, and so the ownership was transferred. And then basically I offered him an employment contract. Okay. So it was a uh, very specific, only one year long um, okay. with a specific salary and bonus structure. Um, and then things could be renegotiated at that one year mark. Right. Okay. Um, and one of the probably the most important things um, that I've learned and, you know, partially through Dr. Henneke, because he had an experience where he purchased the practice from another surgeon. Right. And it sounded like, you know, this surgeon was essentially taking new patients from him, um, you know, and it just wasn't a good relationship. He was never told about, you know, the 401k and kind of the benefits that come along with, or that should be with any business. Right. So we had explicit instructions, like every new patient would be scheduled with me unless they were a former patient of Dr. Henneke's or a, um, like we started off with as a referral. Right. Um, okay. From other surgeons in town or from, you know, the other patient, essentially. Gotcha. How much of, you know, and just to kind of get an understanding of the, the practice you were, you were basically buying, yes. you know, investing in, um, at that, when you first started working there, um, what was kind of the makeup relative to, was it almost exclusively cosmetic or was there some reconstructive? What, what kind of was the makeup? It was exclusively cosmetic. Um, I believe he had transitioned out of insurance, um, maybe about five years before I started. And just to add extra to my whole situation is it was the right, right in the middle of COVID. So while we were negotiating for this, you know, this whole contract, I think everything shut down in like May. And so it was just very nerve wracking to be paying this large sum of money for a practice that you don't even know if you'll be able to keep the lights on. So fairly intimidating, but yeah, that, um, Hey, you know, if if it doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger kind of thing. (laughs) Absolutely. And I'm still here. So (laughs) (laughs) no. So, you know, going through that process, what would you say would be, you know, the most important thing that, you know, looking back, what would you say this or these handful of things would be the things if, if I'm talking to my son or my daughter, these are the things you should be, you know, looking, looking at. I think you should take into close um, or close observation as to how the surgeon regards his practice um, in terms of what he sees it being worth. Mm -hmm. Uh, Many surgeons will overvalue their own practice because 
it's their baby. So, um, you know, the seller needs to have a realistic grasp on what a going price is, whether or not you truly get, um, an outside valuation or not. Um, the, the price needs to be reasonable and the structure to pay it also has to be reasonable or at least feasible how you see how the buyer sees their practice Mm -hmm. to be growing. Um, and then I would say have, um, a specific exit strategy in terms of like in the contract, like all new patients go to the new doctor and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, this contract is only for a year. We can renegotiate afterwards. Um, And then basically just seeing how things are run and what the overhead is, of course. Mm -hmm. So in terms of when you went out there, met met the staff, so did you keep all of his staff? Did you? I did. Everyone stayed on. Oh, okay. Which is great. That's what um, I, which is what I wanted because um, they were excellent. And the nurse that we had, um, you know, she had a baby. And so now she's the office manager for me. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, all excellent people that have been there for a long time. So I was a little bit intimidated, you know, when my receptionist has been there for eight years and like I'm coming in, um, you're all new, (laughs) you know, like guns blazing. And so it was important to me to have a slower kind of a, a transition in terms of ownership and in terms of the changes that I wanted to make. Gotcha. So and actually, that's where I was just gonna gonna say, what have you changed since since it's now transitioned to you? Um, what are the things that you feel like you know need to change as you've acquired a, you know somebody else's practice so that it it, it becomes yours? Right. Um, so. I'm trying to say this in a way that's um, not sexist or ageist, but um, basically you want to put yourself in the patient's position and who your ideal patient is Mm -hmm. and what you would want in walking into an office, how you want it to feel. Do you want it to be more like a spa or more, you know, in a a different fashion? And Mm -hmm. then every aspect of that, should then reflect that part, I think. Mm -hmm. And I think historically in the past, not a lot of weight was given to patient comfort and, um, it, and just, you know, I I don't know how to say this, but mostly just patient comfort. Like the first, I don't go in the first time that I'm meeting a patient and they're, you know, undressed in a gown, like, you know, you have to think about it from the patient standpoint. And do you want this random stranger coming in before they've even said hello? Like, so I think, um, things can be restructured in terms of even how the patient flows throughout the appointment, um, that can reflect what you want. No. And I think that whole patient experience, because it is, it's more than just the surgery or even the, right. 
it's yeah. that whole from the from the consultation to even the phone call to yes. you know to it, it's there and they form opinions very quickly they yes. form and you know whether they like you or don't like it, it happens pretty quickly right yes so I would agree with you and I, and I'm gonna be the one to say it because you may not but I am gonna say this whole patient experience and you know be putting yourself into their shoes I think because you know let's face it the majority of our business is built around women it's yes. female patients and you can be a lot more empathetic as a female plastic surgeon than say if I were a plastic surgeon you know right. I'm probably a little less in tune with some of that you sure, know sure which makes sense <laughs> you know which 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 makes sense so I think there's also not only as being a, a, a young, you know, probably very similar in age as many of your patients, mm -hmm. you know, not not too different, right. um, but also being a woman. I think there's yes. a there's a difference uh, in terms of you, how you interact with them, how open they are with you. Right. As opposed to say somebody like me or something, it, yeah. I think it would be different. Right. Yes. And so. I mean, I do think that details matter and, you know, you want to be proud of what you're putting forth, I think. Yeah. And I, I get that. Uh, knowing how, what I know about you, I, I would say, uh, I get that. I get that. Thank you. <laughs> um, so let's maybe flip this around. Sure. Instead of what are the things that you're, you're telling that they should be looking out for. So those what's advice on the things that they need to avoid or don't do or are there any mistakes or things that you maybe would have done differently um in retrospect or did everything go pretty much like you hoped things have gone pretty much like i've hoped mostly because um mostly because it's been slow I think that you can get ahead of yourself in terms of, uh, you know, in my mind, I'm spending thousands of dollars just redesigning the front door of the office. So, of <laughs> course, you can get ahead of yourself, um, but you need to really prioritize what's most important and then kind of uh, set up a three-year, five-year plan and whether, you know, and leave some wiggle room for purchases, um, but you do not need every single device. Um, you should never buy a device according to its resale value. It's just not, not a good thing to do at all. Um, and then, I mean, yeah, I would just say avoiding taking on too much financial burden or too much risk mm -hmm. um, from the beginning. Right. Okay. Um, so in your current, you know, now that, how long have you been kind of owner of the practice? How long has it been since, since doctor is no longer in the practice? So let's see. Um, so I purchased the practice July 1st, 2020. And my last payment was December 31st, 2022. So, doc, yeah, thank you. Um, <laughs> Dr. Henneke retired in January of 2022. Okay. So he was there just a little bit longer. Um, and yeah, so that, it was a pretty, it, we had it set up as um, 
essentially biannual payments that, you know, with two balloon payments at the end. Mm -hmm. So kind of structured that the payments were smaller when I wasn't busy. I'm building, you know, Mm -hmm. getting patients together, building my practice, and then incrementally getting larger um, while I'm busier and bringing in more revenue. Great. Great. And it sounded like that time frame uh, was pretty comfortable for you. You know, it's not like you felt, you know, I don't know. I think my dad was maybe a little anxious for me. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, it was to the point where I, I was like, I just need to keep my head down, keep working. And um, I think I'm going to be fine. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> but no, I know, I, I think he was a little stressed for me. No, you know what? And I know your dad. So, yes. <laughs> yes. so no, and, and he only thinks, you know, he, he's only keeping an eye out for you. Yes, absolutely. And I, maybe I should have been a little more um, anxious about it, but I knew I could do it. So, no, and I, I think that's what it takes. And, and you know what? I think that, that spirit that I'm, I can do this. Right. Yes. I can do this. I think that you have to have that element uh, in you um, to to take on some risks. Right. Yes. To take on risks because this is you. You can't be risk averse and actually do this. Right? Correct. It, it, um, and I, I would say a bigger risk would be starting from complete scratch and <laughs> having to, you know, choose a place to lease and whether or not it's a shell and you have to build it out. And just the sheer capital it takes to even open your doors. So did, was that a thought? Did you, you know, Uh, when we're going through this, did you think about that? At one point there was a thought like that. It was not um, in the Nashville area. It was in the North Carolina area, which um, the real estate there is just, it's a different ball game. So right. it would be more feasible to do that mm-hmm. as a shell and, you know, kind of build out your own place. Right. Okay. And, and what, what tipped the scale? What was the, it, was there um, any one thing that, that made you feel, you know? Well, um, I got a divorce, so okay, <laughs> that, that was part of it. So <laughs> North Carolina okay. was, um, probably going to be the home state. And then, mm-hmm. um, after that happened, I was essentially free and could look anywhere that I wanted to go. Right. So, um, Nashville is the biggest city that I've ever lived in. Um, the real estate market here is wild and it's, yeah. um, you know, HCA is based here, which is the biggest hospital system yes. in the nation. So, mm-hmm. um, I definitely chose a great location for plastic surgery. <laughs> No, it's a it's a it's a great market and and uh, a, a great lifestyle to be honest with you. Yeah. Um. Uh. And I have to say, um, the next time when when I go out there, because uh, I'm out there, yeah, it's a few times a year. Yeah. Um, is there any place we can go fly fishing? <laughs> yes, definitely. Um, not that I've been yet, but uh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> I just had Fork. to throw that in there. Caney <laughs> Fork, yes, that's where we got to go. Okay, I just had to throw that in there. But yes. hey, thank you for for sharing all this information. I, I'm actually going to be speaking at the young surge, uh, young plastic surgeons luncheon tomorrow. So the timing is is really good, and 
and I picked up some good pearls I'm going to share yeah. with them. Well, good. You can, yeah, use anything. Um, <laughs> they'll, they'll be lucky to have you. Well, I appreciate that. Well, thank you again. And we'll probably do this at another time. Yeah. I'd like to maybe have you on is, you know, maybe kind of, we kind of touched on it was, uh, you know, that being a female plastic surgeon, and I, I started uh, looking into supporting, you know, the female plastic surgery organization with the society. And yeah, that's wonderful. Um, and, and I and I think that there's a lot of uh, good happening there. So um, totally agree. maybe we'll have you on for, for an episode with that. Would love to. All Thank right. You. Thank you again, Dr. Medea. Absolutely. Okay. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us for the MedShark Insider with Bill Fukui. Join us next week for another dive into all things medical marketing. All episodes can be streamed at www.medsharkdigital.com slash medshark-insider.